ready. Hello and welcome to the Ram Gad Pod, the Realtors Association of Maui Government Affairs Director podcast. I am your host, Jason Economu, and I am joined today by Councilmember Tasha Kama, Presiding Officer Pro Tempore for the Maui County Council and Council Seat for the Kahului Residency Area. Good afternoon, Tasha. In Hawaiian, it's aloha o winala. Hey, Jason. Thank you for being here. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you kind of have a hard out in about an hour, so we'll try and move quickly through okay. this. Um, let me start off by asking, as somebody who's pretty new to public office, uh, you've just about finished up your first year. How do you think it's gone? I think it has gone. <laughs> it's gone. Uh, time has gone so quickly, so fast. Um, I didn't realize that time would go that quickly. And so as I've reflected back on what it was from the first day I got here, June, January 2nd to November 2nd, it was like, where did the time go and what did I say I was going to do and did I do what I said I came here to do? So do you feel pleased with how it's gone so far? I think what pleases me is the fact that I have direction and the people that elected me, elected me based upon what I told them. And that was the direction I was going and I'm still going in that direction. I have not yet arrived, but I realize that one year is not a lot of time. And now a year is up and everybody's getting ready to campaign because once the calendar turns, January 1st, everybody goes in campaign mode. Some of my friends are already here are already in campaign mode. Some never stopped. Yeah, some never left, I was going to say. Yeah. 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 Now, though you are new to political office, you have a substantial background as a community organizer and as an activist. What are some of the causes and organizations that you've worked with in the past? I think in the past, um, going back just recently, I was um, with Faith Action for Community Equity. It was a faith-based organization based on Oahu. And they were brought over by uh, Stan Franco, who felt like we needed an organization to be able to press the housing issue that was going on here. So Stan, myself, and our friend Kehau had been working on housing issues for like since the 80s. And it didn't seem like we were getting much traction. And we weren't sure. We were community people. Kehau was a mom. I was a mom. And we were trying to figure out what don't we know or who don't we know. And then we figured out over time that um, we learned as we went that the policy-making bodies is where the power is at. And that's what we learned all those years. And that's when I started working for Faith Action for Community Equity after I graduated from, high uh, from college. And then prior to that, I was with the uh, Sovereign Councils of Hawaiian Homelands Assemblies. It is a um, statewide organization made up of all Hawaiian homestead associations who want to participate in this organization. So there was like 34 uh, organizations. We had five uh, homesteads on, Mau on Molokai. We have nine here on Maui. Uh, we had, I think, nine on Oahu. We had three on the Big Island, and we had one, two on Kauai. And they were all made of homestead, homesteaders. And homesteaders elected have elected bodies, and they send their elected bodies to this greater meeting, and that's where I got a lot of my own, um, I guess, values from, 
a lot of the training I received about Hawaiian issues, especially on Hawaiian homelands, came from that body. And then, of course, prior to that, um, I gave birth to a daughter with Down syndrome, and I got involved with the issues of disabilities only because when I was looking for services for her as an infant, um, I realized that I didn't know a whole lot, and I had to just immerse myself in the disabilities community and learn how to access and advocate for my child. So, you know, my child now is 34, going on 35. Wow. So I've had to advocate for her, and so getting involved in the disabilities community, I sat on the commission for eight years. So, so those are those things that actually helped me to understand that when you advocate for things and if you're in need of things, that the real power is in the policy-making bodies. So you were in advocacy since the 80s. Um, when was the moment that, that made you realize to move towards that policy-making position in, in elected office? Um, really, really early, I'll tell you. Um, 1978, the Hawaiian Constitutional Convention was held. That was the last time we had one. We haven't had one since. Um, and what was born out of that um, convention was the Office of Hawaiian Affairs, where there was an election of Hawaiian uh, trustees to be able to look after the assets that belong to the Native Hawaiian community. Um, and it was at that time that I started to understand um, the trust that, that was put into this nine, nine people, but also the Hawaiian Homelands Trust that was a federal act that was put into place in the 20s. So learning about these two trusts that should be helping my Hawaiian people, I realized that there was some imbalance. So you had the Office of Hawaiian Affairs that had all the, the, the corpus or the, the, the funding, but no land, but then you had the department that had land and no funding. And yet these two somehow couldn't work together to figure out how to take care of their own people, which is the same people, irrespective mm -hmm. of blood quantum. And so just learning um, and understanding who these two uh, very distinct um, Native Hawaiian organizations are has led me to realize that if you want to change, you have to change it from the inside. And this was at a time when, uh, in the early 80s, when the issue of sovereignty was first beginning to, to be a whisper in the Hawaiian community. Um, and then it became a greater voice in the 90s. But uh, it was through those two organizations that were born that I realized that something bigger than me has to take place. And so although I was very young and trying to understand what and who and how everything is connected, because you had to, there's a learning curve that I think um, we probably sometimes don't necessarily understand how laws are enacted in, not only in our, uh, in our state legislature, but also in our own county and also with the Office of Hawaiian Affairs, they have their own um, policies and how they do things, although they are quasi-government, as opposed to the Department of Hawaiian Homelands, who is a state agency, and how their funding is, is given and gotten, and, and how some things happen and some things actually don't. And then, so I, I was a, um, I got a lease in 1987 for a two-acre parcel in Kula, and um, when I got this, I, I forget to myself, okay, I'm going to build a house, but it was so difficult because infrastructure didn't get onto that mountain until 2010. And this is in 1983 that I actually 
moved here, but it was in 1987 when I got the lease. And so um, somehow it was a, a fight to be able to get the department to put infrastructure up in Kula, Maui so that people could start building their homes. And that was a struggle in itself. So in the meantime, the Office of Mine Affairs was going through their own struggles of what did it mean for them to be a quasi-government. While I think many of us thought that they were to be the Hawaiian government, that's not what they had in mind. And so there was a lot of probably misunderstanding, miscommunication, expectations that had not been settled at the ballot box. So. So this went on for years, and so, you, so the OHA we know today has actually come into its own, and the Hawaiian Homelands Department is finally, I think, coming to a place where they're starting to respond to their beneficiaries. And it was at that point that I realized that I should do something politically. So I ran for OHA, 1992. Biggest mistake of my life. But I learned something through that. So I, I just had... Um, was it 92 or 93? I can't remember. But um, I had just given birth to my last baby. I was in school for a while, and it just wasn't gelling. I thought, maybe this is too soon for me to do this. So I ran. Uh, I got, uh, and it's a statewide race, though, because it's like running for governor in, in the Office of Foreign Affairs, because you have to campaign on every island, and you have to be able to, to at least get the votes, as many votes as you possibly can. And it was, um, it was a good lesson for me. It was a hard-learned lesson, but a lesson nonetheless that I, um, I think has brought me here today, where I am, those lessons back then. And that's my first introduction to running for political office. Now, you mentioned the complexity of government and policy in general. As somebody who is a relative political outsider, who might not have a, a strong educational background in policy, how have you navigated that as, as a council member? Uh, you talk to a lot of people who know more than you. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it just made sense to me that if I don't know something, I have to have conversations with people who do, and um, because I don't know anything, but if I want to know something, I have to ask the person who does know. Um, so I've had conversations with lots of people um, while I was campaigning about issues I didn't understand and they'd have to actually literally walk me through things like right now we're working on property tax right mm. and we're doing reform well last year we did the budget I, and I was kind of like I wasn't sure what we're doing this this budget but it seemed like okay I'm just gonna go with the flow right and figure out that hopefully I hope in the end it's balanced and I hope in the end that people don't get too mad with us but that they would be very happy. So that was last year. But now we're gonna do tax reform. So that means that I gotta to talk to people who know more about tax reform or taxes than I do. So that means I have to talk to not just the people in the real property tax division or the finance di division of our county, but real people, people who actually are living with the issues about how this reform that we're actually talking about gonna impact and affect them and talk to all these people that seem to have some misconstrued ideas or misunderstandings or just fears about what if. It's the what ifs, right? And that's what worries people because if you don't know and the what ifs pose a whatever you want to think about it, how, how far and deep and wide 
uh, your concerns are, that's your worry, right? And so I don't think our job is to create worry for people. I think our job is to help them to become contributing members of our society and at the same time not injure them. And I'm not sure if that's possible, but, mm. but I think it's a good goal, you know, that um, when I was a kid, my dad always taught, well, there are 11 of us, right? So I'm four of 11. He always taught us that if we all chipped in to do something, everyone would benefit, and, but everyone would participate. So in my family, we never had things to be done, whether it's doing a baby luau or doing a party or just doing anything. Everybody contributed in some way, shape, or form. So when I came to the county, I figured it worked. It worked for our family, right? But if everybody participates, everybody feels like they're included, and everybody benefits. And that's really okay, I think, if you're, if you're content with what you have. But I think sometimes if you want more and you're discontent, then that's what happens. So we have some people who are not content with what they have that they'd like to have a little bit more than somebody else, so. This might be more of a philosophical question, uh, but I, I heard a quote from you where you were doing talk story with Axel Beers. Oh, um, yeah. Maui Time, and you, you mentioned that you have 30 grandchildren. Yes. And two grand, great-grandchildren. Yes. And you said their future is determined by what we can create for them. Yeah. And, and I thought that was just a beautiful idea. And it really resonated with me. And I was wondering if you could expound on what you think the role of, of government is and, and what you think the role of, of county council member is. I think the role of government, right, is, is to be that facilitator. Of, it's like being a traffic cop, right, in, a, in the middle of a totally huge, busy intersection with cars coming from all around you, right? But your job is to make sure the traffic flows, right? No accidents. So you gotta make sure you have your wit all about you, right? So you're the facilitator of this huge traffic issue, right? So I think that as a role of government, that's your role, is to be able to be that facilitator of services for your community so that things flow. And I think my role as a council member is to be able to assist all the other people who are doing their role so that my role flows into with their role, and then collectively our county works the way it should work. That's what I think, and that's what I believe, and that's what I work towards. Now, when you were elected, you during that, that um, election period and up till the, the actual election night, uh, you were labeled as part of the Ohana Coalition. Um, uh, on those those mailers that went out. Oh yes, 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 yeah. yes, yeah. So so, what does that that distinction mean to you? And and do you think that that labels like that are important? I think um, when I think about the Ohana Coalition and their support of me during the campaign, it to me, um, like most campaigns that I've seen in my life, you will always have um, people or organizations or unions endorsing people, right? Yeah. And their endorsement of people means, I really like this person, and this is who me and my company or me and my union are saying yes to. And so they have a whole bunch of people they support, or maybe one or two, or, or maybe none at all, right? So when the Ohana Coalition uh, supported me, I understood it as that. So, um, and 
then let me see, I think sometime early on during the, um, I think the general election, I think, right after the primary, just around as we went into the um, general election campaign, I still felt like I, I didn't know the Hana Coalition that well, so I had no idea where I was in terms of what the you know what I would be doing once we got into the general. So because I wasn't sure, I figured I I got to get other people to at least support me who are not part of this coalition. So, but there was nobody else out there, and I thought, okay, well, the Ohana Coalition will support me, and I'm grateful to them for that. Then there was the issue of about a, a super PAC that came up. So um, I wasn't sure what a super PAC was. I had to go and ask somebody else what a super PAC was, and I got it. I said, okay. They said it's dark money. So I said, well, what makes the money dark? And then people said, oh, because you don't know where it's coming from. And I said, well, you know, most of the time, nobody knows where anybody's money's coming from. Right? I mean, you could write me a check today, but I don't know where Jason Economy got his money from. Did he work for it? Uh, is he a trust fund baby? I have no idea, but that's not what they're talking about. I said, oh, okay, well, you know, you live and learn, right? Okay, so you learn something new every day. So, um, and that became an issue, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure how I felt about it, so I just let it go. I, I, but what I knew, though, in my heart was that I would, and I would not ever be beholden to anyone or anything because that's just the way I am, you know. I, I mean, I thank you, and I told them I thank you for your support. I thank you for your vote. I, but I think that even the person that gives the the most money, and the person who gave no money are the same, because the vote is what is really important. So I'm. I think the person who gave me the vote and no money is just as important as the guy that gave me all the money. But they all still get equal footing. So anyway, that was just me in my own heart, my own head. So I felt very comfortable with that. Um, and then the election was over, and um, then we got sworn in January 2nd. Now, throughout your, your first year of, of service as a council member, um, you guys have dealt with some pretty intense issues, or, or at least controversial issues. I yeah. mean, there's, there's the injection well issue, there's tax reform. Um, but even if we go back to the directors and, yeah. and the appointments, confirmations. The, the confirmations, yeah. um, to me, it, it almost seems as though the political climate is, is overly divisive. But, but as somebody who works day in and day out in government and is meeting with all these different groups, do you think that's a fair characterization, that it is a, a divisive time in local politics? I think there's always going to be divisiveness when you have what people perceive as right and what people perceive as wrong, right? Good and bad, black and white, wrong or right. So as long as people perceive that to be, you'll always have divisiveness. But it doesn't mean that it prohibits people from continuing on. I mean, in my heart, this is, this is what I see, right? I'm one of nine. In our community, we have people who like what I say, like what I do, how I think. But we also have people in the community who have the exact same thing with every other council member. So we all serve a particular segment because there's no way you're gonna get all of these thousands of people up here to represent. So you elect somebody to represent 
your thoughts, your ideas, your heart. And so the other eight people, along with myself, represent all of our people that is out there. So when our people out there can't decide, just like here, we have to decide and we have to call the vote for whatever we think is the right thing to do. So whenever we vote, you're always going to have a 5-4, a 6-3, a 7-2, a 9-0, an 8-1, but you always have those numbers. It doesn't mean it's divisive. All it means is that people do not have the same opinions about certain things. But many times on the floor, you're going to see the 5-4, the 5-4, and you always see the same five on the same side and the same four. All, to me, all that means is that they have a different perspective on things, and we do too. But it doesn't mean that we stop working to try to get things better at each issue that comes up. So nobody should be mad at anybody because you said yes and I said no because next day come around, we're both saying yes. Or next day come around, you both, we're both saying no. So as long as you, I think the divisiveness only comes if you take things personally and if you're offended by somebody else's vote on the floor. That's mm. what I think. Now, I've, I've heard you described as the most important person on the county council. And, and the Who told you that? Because I sure don't feel that. <laughs> a couple of people. And the context of this was they pointed out the fact that, that you vote based on, on your own conscience and your own mm -hmm. personal um, research yeah. and, and information that, that you, put, you find. Um, though that is certainly an important role, and I commend you for that, uh, it does open you up to, to exposure for criticism. Oh, yeah. Uh, does that criticism ever get to you? How do you deal with that? Really? I can talk to you about that? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, one of the first things I did before I decided to run is you always talk to your family, right? You always talk to your family. The first time I decided to run, at the time, my dad was still alive. So I talked to him. What do you think my father told me? I don't know. He said, let's pray. So when I ran again, my father's not here. So, uh, and when I did run, my sister was my campaign chair. So I told my sister, I said, okay, so what do you think? She says, let's pray. So when things really get tough, I do. And I'm, sometimes I'm actually praying on the floor. That's why I'm kind of glad that when people are talking, the camera's on them, right? <laughs> But when people are talking over there and things are really getting really hard or something, I will pray. And when things I think really are hot, then I'll ask the chair for a moment of silence, just so that people can get into a place of calmness and just reflection, just time. Because sometimes that's all we need is just a moment. Yeah. I like that. Take some time, slow down. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Um, now, when you ran, uh, you you ran and you said your top issues were were housing, infrastructure, and water. Yeah. Um, do you have any any updates on on successes or failures regarding those issues and, and what you've been doing? Um, I just got off the phone with uh, Alice Lee, who's our water and infrastructure person, and I told her I said, "Oh, you know, I'm always worried," and she always tells me not to worry, but I will always <laughs> talk to her because she's water and infrastructure, two of the most important to me. Um, issues regarding housing because 
without water and without infrastructure, it's not going to get developed, right? And because a lot of the water is now having to go back into the streams, that means there's less water available, right? And now with no water going into, no um, water being recharged, like we used to throw all of our water, right? Our wastewater onto all of the thousands of acres. But now, where we, what are we doing with it? We're, all, it's dumping it. We're dumping it, right? So it doesn't get a chance to get back into the ground to recharge the aquifers. Mm. So that tells me that we're not going to, either we've got to conserve a whole lot of water, or we've got to talk about desalinization, or we've got to talk about something that is going to be able to ensure that we have water for the developments in which we are in need of. And, and it, to, to me, sometimes it almost seems like a critical issue because the issue that we're in today with housing is because somebody yesterday didn't think long or hard enough about it. But here we are thinking about that today, the housing. But let's talk about the water. Mm. So now's the time to be talking about the water and not when it becomes a huge critical mass for us later on down the road. So that's where my, my heart is at. So and, and also last week, I think we talked about doing community facilities districts so that we can get some of our projects off the ground um, faster and at least get the infrastructure in. My sense is, you know, since coming here is that maybe the county should do all the infrastructure and we put out requests for proposals for contractors to just do the verticals. And maybe that would help to be able to defray some of the costs that our renters or our homeowners are going to have to endure because of these costs that are passed on to them by developers. Now, that's, that's an interesting point that you bring up. Um, now that you've been in office, you've developed your opinion on, on water and, and building infrastructure, yeah. developing yeah. infrastructure. Yeah. Um, are there areas that you you had a, an opinion, perhaps a strongly held opinion, and now that you're inside the government, that opinion has altered or evolved? Well, okay, I don't, yeah, okay. So my personal opinion was, what the heck is taking these people so darn long to build housing? That's what I didn't know, that I know today. We have a whole bureaucracy here. We do, but. The bureaucracy doesn't have to be like that. It really doesn't. If we have people who will talk to people and communicate with people and don't try to set our own political agendas, because what you hear a lot is trying to make somebody else look stupid so I look smart. That doesn't help you. It doesn't help anybody. But you hear it, you know, in the floors, on the, in the paper. Why do people want to do that to each other? when our whole role, at least, and that's another thing, maybe my expectations are different than other people, but the idea was to come here and do good for all of our people, not for self, but for our people. So that's, so, so my whole heart and sense about things is, um, sometimes it may be Pollyanna-ish, <laughs> but I still believe, I still believe that we can all do good if we just don't be so hard-headed about stuff, not be so stubborn about things, and don't dig our heels in so that it has to be my way or the highway. You know, it reminds me of children when they're playing, and you know, you bring the bat, I bring the ball, somebody else brings the mitt, but all it takes is the guy who owns the ball to get pissed off and walk off, and then everybody's left standing. Mm. So, so we can't do that. 
That's not the way to run a, a government efficiently. And yet I see that sometimes. Yeah. Th to circle back around to um, the, the property tax issue, since we have limited oh, yeah. time. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, sorry. It's, it's all right. I'll, this just gives you an excuse to come back and we we'll oh, do this okay. again. Because we, we haven't even talked about your family and growing up oh, and stuff like that. I want yeah. to do like a long interview okay. with you. This, okay. is, this is more just an opportunity to That's why he's getting you. to know you. Yeah, it's okay. getting to know you. Um, with the, the property tax issue, I want to give you an opportunity. Um, what are some of the concerns that you've heard or the misconceptions that you've heard that, that you might be able to address with us? I think one of the things I've heard is that people feel like they're rushed. People feel like there's, there hasn't been a whole lot of understanding on their part or maybe even on our part in listening to what they have to say. And in looking at um, and hearing um, people say, in my situation, this is what it is or in my situation, this is what it is. And we are not taking the time to address these or allaying some of their fears. And they've asked for more uh, public meetings and they, they want us to come out there and talk with them. And, and the council has said that um, they don't think that they have anything to report right now. I don't think it's about reporting out. I think it's just about being in their company. I think people just want to know and be, a, and, and I think you know, watching TV is one thing, but I mean, when you have your representative in the front of you, talking with you and, and actually going one-on-one -on -one with your issues and your concerns, it shows them that you care about the things that they care about. But you can't sit back on a chair and have a camera pointed on you and tell people to trust me, tell people, you know, that I'm doing this because it'll make it better for you or that you can tell people that, oh, everybody's gonna be in the first tier and then depending on what your threshold is, I mean, Conceptually, in your head, sometimes you get it, but for some people, that's a whole lot of complexity that they have to understand and go through. And if they don't understand the whole tax system, maybe we should help them to understand it. How come I get this much tax, and yet I've been here for years and years and years, and yet you just move here, and you're building this on this land, and now my value of my property goes up because you moved in here. So how do, how do we equate things like that? How, we, how do we help our local people to realize that, you know, there's uh, circuit breakers, there's home extensions, there's, and maybe they don't understand it, maybe they do, but maybe we're not doing a good job of mm. educating our people about things. And that's all people want to know is that just ally their fears, that's all. Just, these are our constituents, that's our job. We should be helping them and not causing them more stress and undue stress, you know, because we don't want to go into a community meeting with them. Yeah, and you know, my own commentary on that is I was, I attended the community meeting that, that you had in right. your district in Kahului. Uh, Alice Lee was there. Yep. And my takeaway was that the positions that you guys are, are advocating and the policies that you're explaining mm -hmm aren't really all that controversial. Mm -hmm. the, the two bills that passed in, in yes. their, their yeah. form that they passed yes. in, they weren't particularly controversial. And there were a lot of folks who I think showed up angry, but left actually in yeah. agreement with you yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and understanding things better. And aside from just having the education, I think it's so valuable to have that community buy-in mm -hmm. and to recognize that even if people disagree with your position yeah. to begin with, it doesn't mean that your position is wrong or that those people are your enemies. Yeah. It, it just means that, that that's an opportunity for further clarification. Yes. 
Um, the the tax bills at, at RAM, I've gotten a lot of, of emails and phone calls of people very concerned yeah. and, and very upset. And I wish that I had, I had videotaped that community meeting and could just We're gonna share do another that. One. Yeah, we are doing another one. Um, Councilmember Lee has, is going to come with Marcy Martin on December 13th to on RAM. On the 13th? Friday the 13th. I'll, okay. You, you can okay, come good. to that one. No, no, I was going to do one again, I think, um, on the 11th, I think. Oh, do you, do you have that uh, well, set up Well, I have to not, I haven't set because a couple of things we have to do is we have to make sure that the mayor okie dokies, um, you know, his staff to go out and do that. That's one thing I got to do with it. Second thing is ensuring that the place that we want to hold it is available for, to do that. Mm. But she's doing it at your place, right? Yes, we're, yeah. we're doing it at the, the RAM office. Yeah. Um, so RAM That's members good. should RSVP to make sure that we have a seat for them. Um, Walk-ins will, oh, will yeah, be yeah, yeah. permitted. Uh, but yeah, if there's That's any good. other That's educational good. or informational meetings, please feel free to let me know. Oh, I'm happy I will do that. Publicize. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so regarding the tax stuff, do you are you at liberty to speak of any pending reforms that that you guys are working nothing, on? Nothing, nothing. Because once the TIG one finished, that we turned everything over to um, the council. The council passed it out. I think what's it this this past Friday, last Friday, right? And so so it has to go before. I think that was second reading, right? So then TIG two has to get organized to be able to take a look at what the valuations are. It's probably not going to happen until next year. Mm. All right. We got about five minutes before I have to let you go. So okay. I want to ask you, you some, some wrap-up questions. Okay. Um, so these are, these are pretty straightforward. I think okay. I might have emailed them to you ahead of time. Yeah. Um, so first question, what book would you recommend? I would recommend the Bible. I'm, I'm not going to let you do that. Just so easy. You got to give me some more detail. What book of the Bible? John. John, why? Because... If you couldn't understand anything in the Bible, the book of John is probably the easiest book to read, and it has historical information in there. So, you know, it starts with John 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and it just goes on. So in the, just that, that, that book itself, it tells you the whole story. That's why. All right. What is guaranteed to make you smile? Someone else who smiles at me. That is the same uh, answer Lord Suhako gave me, another yeah. smile. Do you know that smiling is infectious and it's contagious? You try that, you try that. Try walking down a street, don't smile. <laughs> and then if you can get somebody's attention, you smile and you watch what happens. They will smile. Why? Because you smiled at them and you brightened their heart. You just all need to smile at each other a yeah, lot more. Exactly. Get over my some father, of the my people who know my father, when they when they think about him, if you ever mention his name, they say, Yeah. You know, he had an ear to ear grin and he did. And he was, he'd always smile because in his heart, he always smiled. He was a happy man. Yeah. I would, I would love to talk a lot more about your dad. I feel like it's a shame that it's so short because I, I have so many but questions. You're coming about back. Him. Yeah, I'm coming back. Okay. Um, what goal do you have that you haven't achieved yet? What goal do I have I haven't achieved? I wanted to play the ukulele since I was six, and I haven't achieved that goal. I mean, I try, I try, I try, I try. Now, G7, C7F, yeah, but it's not, it's not playing the ukulele, it's strumming. So that is still on my goal. And it's so much on my goal that now Alice wants us all to play ukulele for our party that we're gonna have on the 14th. 
And so, so my ukulele is right there somewhere. Where's my I ukulele? I think it's right behind you. Actually. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so she has her ukulele. She has, Lois has her ukulele. And so we're all supposed to be singing Christmas songs and playing ukulele. So I said, okay, I will, I will, I will join them, but I will want to be on the back row. <laughs> Put all the first string ukulele players, but that's always been my goal. That's wonderful. I love it. That's the best answer to that question that I've had so far, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Um, what is something that you've learned recently? Really? You know how our phones ring in, in there? And well, they don't penalize us for them, but they should make a big deal about turning off all of our noisemakers, right? So I always make sure my noisemaker is off because um, I don't want it to ring. But when, it, when a council's not in session, so we turn it on back on, right? But sometimes when the phone rings, I don't want to answer it because it's an it's an it's um no ID caller or it's some foreign number over here, you know, with this yeah. foreign zip code. So I don't want to answer it, right? But I don't know what to do about it. And I just want to look today. If I just hit this button, the ringer will stop. I thought, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Technology. <laughs> And finally, what is one piece of advice that you would give to anyone listening? Have honest conversations. Anyone you talk to, have honest conversations. That is excellent advice. Yeah. Well, council member, thank you for, for having an honest conversation with me. I appreciate thank you. it. This is, um, hopefully we get to do this again soon. I'd like to, but probably sooner is probably after Thanksgiving. Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. We, okay. we're, there's no rush. Okay. We, cool. I got to give the other council members an opportunity to sit down. Do they haven't? Oh my God. No, no. You're the the first council member that that's that's uh, sat down. I, I did get um, the mayor and some of the the other directors and, yeah, yeah. and whatnot, but um, oh. yeah, you're, you're this mine. is fun. This is fun, I, right? Because it's a conversation. Yeah. It's a conversation. I'm not trying to, to you know, no. push an agenda. I just I want think people that's to know what, I think that's what they're afraid of. I think many many people are afraid that people are going to take things out of context. and, and But, you know, the people will do that, right? Yeah. But if what you're saying is good and wholesome and honest, you can refute that. And... You know, I don't. I don't edit anything. It's it's just the the full conversation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so anything that you say is is it's, presented okay. in context. Yes. And and if there's any anything that you ever want to clarify, you can let me know. And and no, my good. my whole goal, like I told you before we started recording, yes. if you want people to trust you, they need to know you. Yes. Uh, and if you want That's them true. to, or I should say, if you want people to listen to you, they need to trust you. And if you want people to trust you, they need to know you. So okay. so this is just us getting to know each other. Uh, yeah. And for, for the rest of the community yeah. to get involved. And yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tack on one quick question. Uh, what do you want the realtors to do to help you? Anything. I want them to continue to give input to you so that you can come here and give us input. Because people who actually testify, I like that. I like when they come to testify, especially when they just not only come to testify, mm. but they actually offer some kind of solution or they, mm. they come forward with ideas or suggestions that we can or don't have to take, but at least they come with something. Mm. So I want, the, I want the RAM people to continue to talk stories with you and send their messages to, to you. Excellent. But yeah, they can always call my office too. But I think that, you know, if they don't have time to do that and they go to your RAM meetings, they can tell it to you. 
All thank right. you. Well, thank you very much. Your father would be proud. Uh, this is wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. Bye.